Hello again, friends, and welcome back to another edition of the Mid-South Wrestling Television Review Podcast. This time looking at Mid-South Wrestling Television from November 13th, 1982, taped at the Irish McNeil Boys Club on November 10th, 1982. Our commentators this week, Boyd Pierce and the Cowboy, Cowboy Bill Watts. I am the great Brian Last, and joining me for this trip, as he does each and every week, you know him, you love him, the menace to society, New Orleans finest, Mike Mills. Mike, how you doing today? I'm doing well, Brian. Ready to rock and roll into some uh, November 13th, 1982 of Mid-South Wrestling, which, man, we got a lot of fallout. We had a lot going on in the last couple of weeks, and that domino will continue to fall and continue to trickle throughout this episode. I mean, even the first, think about it, the first quarter, even more than a quarter, probably 40% of this episode is all about what's been going on with this whole Staggerly situation, Ted DiBiase, Matt Bourne, Jim Duggan, just a lot of stuff going on here as we continue this journey into late 1982. As good as the previous two episodes were, I've always loved this episode, specifically for the first 15 or 20 minutes of the show, where you get the recap of everything that went down and you get the reactions of DiBiase and Bourne and, of course, Cowboy Bill Watts. But we'll get to all that in just a moment. But this is one of my favorite episodes, if only for the opening segment, which, again, goes so long without any kind of commercial, Mike. Yeah, it, it's like a continuous... I don't even know how to, the best way to put it. It's just the follow-up here... It's just really good. There's it's, it's, there's no other way to put it because we've seen so much in the last two weeks. And yet we get to this point and it's like, all right, after all that happened, what next? You're asking yourself in your mind as a fan and you get, I don't know if you get all the answers, but you, you just get so much gold here because this stuff right here with, that we're about to listen to with, with Watts and Bourne and DiBiase, it, it's just, it's, it's just going to be great. Now, let me make one note, Brian, as you're talking about how great this is in the follow-up. Someone has taken Hank's normal front row seat again because Hank is sitting on the side during this taping in, like, row two. You'll miss him if you don't know what to look for with that hat and those glasses. I just wanted to point that out as we track our old friend Hank. It took me a while to find him when, when watching this episode, I must admit. <laughs> so I do appreciate that. I wish I had spoken to you before I watched this episode, Mike. But let's now go. To the show open, we're going to stop this a bunch of times because there's a bunch of notes and a bunch of different things going on here. But Boyd Pierce, not all fancied up again, not looking classy again, but all in red, just beaming right through the television screen, opening the show, telling us what's going to be on the show, and then going to Cowboy Bill Watts interviewing Ted DiBiase and Matt Bourne. Another tremendous card this week. You'll see in action... The muscular Tony Atlas, Mr. USA. Also, Stagger Lee versus Matt Bourne. Colonel Buck Robley joins forces with Mr. Racing 2 in tag team match. Iron Mike Sharp versus Kelly Kaniski. King Cobra versus Louisiana champion Hacksaw Duggan. Popular Chavo Guerrero makes his debut against the Masked Grappler. Right now, our guest commentator, Cowboy Bill Watts, is at the ring with two interesting guests. So let's go and listen to what they have to say. Well, I'm here at... Mid-South and the Irish McNeil Boys Club to interview the Mid-South Tag Team Champions, men that should be very proud of themselves because they've gone down an infamy in the annals of professional wrestling. They pulled a trick or a subterfuge out of the history books 
almost like the horse in Troy in ancient Greek history with Hacksaw Dugan camouflaged. But uh, D.B., I said you and Bourne don't seem to be too happy about the situation where you've won the titles, you've got all the accolades except the Mississippi title uh, wrapped up in your little clique, and you've done something nobody's been able to do. You forced Mid-South to have the junkyard dog, the man who set more box office records than any wrestler in the world, to have to leave Mid-South for 90 days. That's just the point. The man was supposed to leave for 90 days, and he's not gone. He's here. S. Lee, Stagger Lee, everybody in Mid-South, all these people here, Boyd Price sitting over there. Everybody knows who S. Lee is. He's a junkyard dog. My partner knows it. I know it. And even you, Bill Watts, I used to have a lot of respect for you because you were right down the middle of the line. And even you are condoning this, S. Lee. You know that's a junkyard dog. Well, Ted, when you're talking about respect, that's, a, that's the same thing I've lost for you, but not for the same reason. But if you want to get into the situation, who is the grappler? Would you like to reveal his identity here? I don't know who the man is. What about Mr. Wrestling 2? I don't know who he is. Well, the same thing. The biggest fool probably in Mid-South was me because I stood right over there. We had a bunch of fine young kids from Lanesville, Texas. The state fair was going on, and I thought the guy in the gorilla suit was just part of the, one of the sideshows come to invite the fans to be here. Instead, it was Hacksaw Dugan, and I didn't know who he was until he took his mask off. And wait a minute. Let's replay. We'll join that in progress, the final moments of that no disqualification match for the Mid-South Tag Titles. All right, let's stop it there and talk about a little bit of this here, Mike. First of all, I think I asked you this a few weeks back on the show, and this kind of answers it. Watt says he thought the gorilla was part of one of the exhibitions and trying to get people to come to the fair. So it's not that there is definitely a gorilla show <laughs> that tours state fairs, it's that Bill Watts just figured a guy showed up at the show in a gorilla outfit. He must be here to try to get people to the state fair. Yeah, which is not an unrealistic assumption on Bill Watts' part, if you really think about it. So I thought that was fine. Uh, by the way, I did uh, on the uh, Book in the Territory Facebook group. I um, had someone, Chris Apate, a longtime listener of this show uh, in Book in the Territory. He had told me definitely uh, that there was no gorilla show. Um, he had gone to the fair. So um, many a times in his day, there, there definitely wasn't, uh, you know, a, a gorilla show. So, yeah, you did ask. Uh, I, so I did put the question out there to some folks and to folks that attended. They said there was no gorilla show. But, you know, that made sense. Now, <laughs> I mean, it just seems so obvious. How did we think there even could be a touring I mean, gorilla show? That goes state fair by state fair. The gorilla just seems like a, a liability ready to happen. Not uh, and, I, and I'll go back to what I said. I remember this time period in the eighties. Man, I can remember being at different places and there would be like somebody in a gorilla outfit. It was like that was you know when I say different places. I mean like whether it was a party, a fair, or Trading you know places. any kind of just just crazy. Yeah, just. <laughs> I mean, like, I don't know. I feel like um, there was an amusement park in New Orleans uh, back in the day. I think it closed in, uh, shoot, it might have been, uh, I don't remember what year, Pontchartrain Beach closed. But I remember going to Pontchartrain Beach as a kid, and there was a freaking gorilla show. I mean, not a gorilla show, but uh, you would see a guy walking around in a gorilla outfit. So now you got me thinking I'm seeing a gorilla show just because I saw a damn gorilla. <laughs> but, like, you know, so... Yeah, the, the point you made, it's not, like, absurd that Watts would make that assumption. And he just, 
Like, if you go back to that scene, he looks over, sees the gorilla, and, oh, look, there's a gorilla for the gorilla show. And he just said it in a passive no, comment. But what if something had happened to one of those poor children and Watts had to go to court? And they're, sir, uh, you were there with Mr. Bosch and these 50 children from Laneville, Texas. Who was the gorilla? I don't know. We were just there talking to these people, and this guy showed up in a gorilla office, and we said, sure, sit down with the kids. Eat a sandwich. <laughs> Hang out. We didn't know he was a murderer. Or convict. We just figured he's with the state fair. Why else would he be dressed up like a gorilla? We didn't even get a name. I just called him Gorilla. There's a man over there looking like a gorilla. <laughs> just think about it. This guy shows up in a gorilla suit at the front door to Iris McNeil. And he gets in. And he's just like, yeah, just he, he talks through the gorilla suit. I'm just here to watch the show, you know. <laughs> they just let him in. It's so 1980s. Oh, okay, guy in a gorilla suit just watching the matches. And our promoter. Or commentator, we didn't know he was a promoter at the time. He's over there just giving commentary, talking about, oh yeah, we got the gorilla in here from the from the state fair. He's got the gorilla show, and yeah, look at this guy, and and then he ends up interfering in the, the biggest match in the history of the promotion at this point. That's great. I have one ticket, please. Can I have one <laughs> ticket? <laughs> <laughs> you know, one That's of the great. things I love about this interview here with Watson DiBiase is just the tone of DiBiase's voice. How ridiculous it is. And he's right. Of course he's right. He's the heel. And we love seeing him frustrated. But he is right. And he just points out, he's like, S. Lee. Stagger Lee. Like, just the way he spits out S. Lee. Because it's so ridiculous on its face. That it's, it's, it, right. Yeah. And he's, right. just, he's and he, so and, upset. And he's like, he's like, he's like, Bill Watts, even you know who Stagger Lee is. Come on. And Watts responds with, well, who's wrestling too? And who's the grappler? And and DBS is like, oh, <laughs> that's that part too. Don't get lost on that. That was great as well. The the the, the, the chemistry between them and this role that DBS is in and watch right now, you know, as the I don't want to call him authority, but you know, the interviewer, they they got some good chemistry with this whole angle and DBS. God bless him and Ernie Ladd and this whole when they turned him heel because, oh, man, this was perfect. But again, I totally understand why he's upset, because even beyond the ridiculousness of it being the junkyard dog, he's right. Bill Watts has always kind of called it right down the middle and he's calling Bill Watts on it, and Bill Watts is just kind of standing there not saying anything. So, well, you know, I have other things I could hit you with instead of answering this. And yeah, it is great with the who's the grappler. I don't know. Who's Mr. Wrestling? I don't know. <laughs> he almost gets like shy about the fact that right. he doesn't know who anyone is. Well, in, in, in like in fairness to DiBiase, when he says that is, well, wrestling two didn't just, you know, appear. It didn't just ha mysteriously appear after one guy left the territory and nor did the grappler just mysteriously appear after somebody who looked like him left the territory without a mask on. So when Watts says that, it's got some credit to it, but at the same time, DBS is like, I don't know. I mean, I this that's not even the same situation. You can look at Stagger Lee and to DBS's point, you can look at Stagger Lee and go, that's the dog. Look how he's walking. I mean, look, look at him. He does everything like the dog. That is, that is the dog. And Watts is just like, oh, yeah, don't know. And then we're gonna hear in a second how Watts talk about sending a check to the P.O. box again. Well, we get a recap of the tag team match from two weeks back. Mr. Olympia and the Junkyard Dog versus Ted DiBiase and Matt Bourne. And then coming out of the recap, like you said before, we get a little more audio. Bill Watts with Ted DiBiase and Matt Bourne. Let's hear this now. 
Well, there you have it, and uh, it was a no disqualification, and Junkyard Dog had to leave, but Hacksaw Dugan in a gorilla suit. What will you stoop to next in your in your way of Wait conquest? Wait a minute. What I stoop to, Bill Watts, the stipulation was no disqualification. They knew the stipulation. That means anything goes. My partner, Hacksaw Duggan, had a little thing happen that took place over in Houston, Texas that involved uh, Tully Blanchard and Gino Hernandez. We took a little bit from that happening over there and incorporated it into our own situation. The point is, it was no disqualification. We did win the match. Did we win the match? That's correct. But was Junkyard Dog not so where do you supposed get off, to leave? Where do you get off beating around the bush talking about Dugan? The issue is the dog. The dog is the supposed loser has to, to leave gone. down. He's supposed, He's to, be supposed gone. to be gone. Dugan S. has nothing to S. Lee. That's a Junkyard Dog and all these people, well, and you know it too. Well, let's, let's, we'll rejoin where S. Lee made his debut here last, last week. Let's look at that now. We then get a recap of Ted DiBiase versus S. Lee, of course, Stagger Lee from last week, a non-title victory for S. Lee. What was DiBiase saying, though? Did Jim Duggan get arrested or something in Houston with Tully Blanchard and Gino Hernandez? What was he talking about that we played on something in Houston with Tully Blanchard and Gino Hernandez? Yeah, he, uh, he, I don't know if that was just... He, that was just what he came up for this whole storyline, why Duggan supposedly wasn't there originally and then ends up showing up in the gorilla suit. I, I To me, it's just, that was just them playing into the storyline. But that that's, I, that's what I thought. What did you think about why he brought that up? I don't know. Now I want to look into it and see if maybe it was something that got local press. I mean, it could be nothing. But the way he said it made me think, because, you know, he said we played into that. I was thinking they played into that with the whole idea that Jim Duggan's not there. He's been detained. Yeah, yeah, that's why I said I thought, to me, he sold it well, but to me, I just thought he was just, you know, playing along with the storyline. Yeah, he got caught up in that, and but, you know, at the end of the day, we had his back, and they knew he was going to be out in it time. Was the, it was mentioning Gino and Tully, though. That was such a detail that didn't need to be there because they play no part in this feud or angle or anything having to do with this now or in the future of Mid-South Wrestling. It was throwing that detail in there that made me question it. Maybe they're bringing it up just because of the – maybe he just mentions those names because of the Houston ties, though, too. That's true. Well, we'll look into this, and I'm sure some of our uh, crack detectives that listen to this show, uh, <laughs> when they're not at the Gorilla Show, they'll be uh, listening and answering this. But we get the recap, Ted DiBiase versus Stagger Lee, and then more with Cowboy Bill Watts, Ted DiBiase, and Matt Bourne. Right there you have it, Bill Watts. You watched the thing for yourself. You saw the man come in the ring. You saw the way he moved around. Who else uses that perfected move called the thump that he put on me? And on top of that, you really didn't put up enough competition for me to tell how long he was moving around. He whipped you so fast. Yeah, sure he whipped me. He loaded that mask and busted me in the head. You've been loading a glove for a long time. You know what happened to the young Ted DiBiase that used to win fair and square? You don't like it when it happens to you in reverse, do you? That's your personal opinion, Bill Watts. The issue is, was that or was that? What do you think? What do you think? Was that was that or was that? I really don't know. I, I don't know who S. Lee is. We send the checks to a post office box just like we did for the grappler, just like for Mr. Wrestling 2, and I guess if we'd have had to pay for the gorilla, just like we did for the gorilla, because we sure didn't know who he was either. Now, are you sure and you're beyond any reasonable shadow of a doubt that S. Lee is the junkyard dog? Yes. You know, it's, you know it's him. I know it's him. Ted knows it's him. And everybody out there knows it's him. Everybody and I really can't believe that you're putting because they don't like what happened. I think it's just, a conspiracy. Just before we went on the air here, 
I watched a workout with one of the strongest men in the world, Mr. USA, Tony Atlas. He did something no other wrestler's ever done in public. He bench pressed 550 pounds. But the key thing is, two of the men there to spot him in that workout was Junkyard Dog and Stagger Lee. Let's watch that for a moment, Ted, and then you tell me what you think. And from there, we go to this bench press showing by Tony Atlas. But before we get there, any thoughts on those words with the Cowboy and DiBiase and Bourne, Mike? Well, I, I thought it was funny, the previous segment that you played. Um, DiBiase also had told Watts he didn't stoop low. He lived by the rules of the match as far as it being a no DQ when they sent the dog home. So DiBiase was mentioning that he took advantage of that. So... But then he comes back in this inter- in this interview as they after they replayed, you know, Stagger Lee beating him and all that. Now, all of a sudden, he's crying foul. He also mentions that, you know, well, Stagger Lee loaded the mask to knock me out. Well, yeah, he, he did after he beat you. Um, and, and then Watts says, yeah, just like you, you, you loaded the glove. <laughs> when when you decided to beat him. I mean, it's not the same thing because, again, the rules of the match were no DQ when DiBiase knocked out the dog to send him home for 90 days. But at the end of the day, it's like, look, uh, uh, you know, I'm going to use this. Ex- I'm going to use this when it when it benefits me. But then I'm going to cry foul when when it works against me. So and it didn't even work against him because he knocked him out after the match. I mean, Stagger Lee had already beat him. But it's just another thing of him, you know, crying foul and whatnot. Now, this next segment you're going to throw it to, though. Uh, this one always was funny to me to 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 see this. So uh, anyway, I, I'm 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 actually anxious to hear your thoughts after this bench press thing that we're gonna watch. Well, a few notes before we listen to this audio here. This is Tony Atlas, I guess, on the side of the ring. That side camera angle they have bench pressing. He's on a bench. There are children sitting on the ring on the ring apron behind him. There are people all on the side. You get to see, including the yellow kid. That's what I'm calling the kid in the yellow shirt now on. The yellow kid standing over there, live and in Technicolor, and spotting Tony Atlas on the bench is the junkyard dog in a blue hoodie. Actually, I don't know if there's a hood, but a blue zip-up. And Stagger Lee. And I love the Stagger Lee shirt. Is it me? Not even a question mark. Just, is it me? And he's wearing red and green. And of course, Cowboy Bill Watts narrating this. I guess we'll talk about anything else we think about this on the other side. Well, one other big thing I guess we have to say here. Tony Atlas is wearing a shirt. It is a yellow shirt. I'm guessing custom made, unless it was sold in some store I don't know about. And it's a picture of Tony Atlas's face and a woman's heel stepping on it. We've all heard that he has this fetish of women walking on his face. He actually has a shirt that displays this fetish. And with that, let's hear this audio right now. (laughs) We're here at the Irish McNeil Boys Club. You wonder how these guys work out. Well, here's one of the strongest men in the world, Mr. USA, Tony Atlas. He's getting ready to do 500 pounds on the bench press. The junkyard dog and Stagger Lee standing by here to spot him on this. He's going to do it. Try to do two reps with 500 pounds, and then he'll come back later and do 550 pounds. This is something few people ever get to see done and there's only an elite few that have ever done it unless you've done something like this you don't know the pressure the mental preparation the strength preparation goes in a lot of concentration this is an art it's a skill all its own he's got to be psyched out he's got to be pumped he's got to be heavy seat fit his feet set he's got to be completely ready you're going to see those steel turbines and those 22 inch arms get ready to blow it off that chest 
He'll come down to his chest and right up. Rock with it, Daddy. Rock with it. Rock with it. Rock with it. Okay. You just saw him do 500 pounds. JYD, and then we're going to reload it. We're going to go to 550 pounds. And JY, you're one of the men that's bench pressed in this range. Well, just tell the people what that feels like. I feel real good, man. It's sure you got strength. It's sure you got a little bit of knowledge about lifting these weights. And furthermore, I got a lot of other things to show these people. And don't get too close to my man Stack Elite because I'm working it right now. Well, I was wanting to ask him a couple of questions because he shocked some people here last week with DiBiase and. Uh, I think that you have a little something to do with that. Uh, you've mentioned Staggerly in your past, uh, something to do with milk money and oh, riding a school bus. I used to beat milk when I was a kid and take my milk money, but now I got him here to beat up somebody else and take their milk money. Well, uh, do you think we can get an interview while Tony's getting himself ready for the 550, or you, you're saying you don't want us to talk to Staggerly? Interview with me or him? Well, Staggerly. Oh, no, I, I talked to Staggerly. I bought him in there. I talked to Staggerly. He don't say nothing. Okay. He just stand there. Okay, partner, what are you going to do for 90 days? I'm going to sit around and buy myself a ticket, go to every arena I want to, and take care of my man Stack Lee, drive around that big 450 Mercedes I'm driving. Okay. Well, here it comes. Here's, here's Tony Atlas, and we're ready to see him try an attempt on 550 pounds. He's got to be so set mentally. You just can't imagine when you 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 know you've got like a house coming down on you. It's the 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 steel plates. These are 45 pound plates. Each one's a 45 pounder, coming down to a 25 on the end plus the Olympic bar. One of you there at home, try this sometime with a lot less weight, and you'll get some idea of what it takes. We want everybody quiet now. Rock with it, baby. Rock with it. Rock with it. Rock with it. Lock it out. Lock it out. Lock it out. Push it. Push it. You got it. You got it. 555. Well, there you hear it. 550 pounds bench pressed by Tony Atlas in his fantastic shirt. And some words between the Junkyard Dog and Cowboy Bill Watts. Maybe the greatest bit of revisionist history. Unless there's promos I don't know about that you don't know about, but this whole, you've been telling us for years about Stagger Lee beating you up and taking your milk money, that was never said, unless it was on local promos that we haven't seen, that was never said that it was a guy named Stagger Lee. Yeah, like I told you a couple weeks ago, I, I don't remember ever being mentioned that Stagger Lee would take his milk money. I do, like I said, remember Watts mentioning, you know, Stag, uh, dog used to have to fight in the hood and make sure, you know, no one took his lunch money and milk money and all that good stuff. So I, I remember Watts mentioning that, but I do not recall him ever saying Stagger Lee again, like you said, unless it was on a, a local promo. So, um, but you know, <laughs> you didn't have DVRs back then. You didn't have YouTube. You didn't have everything at your fingertips where you could just look it up in a matter of, uh, you know, 10 minutes or so to figure out if that was the case. So uh, it worked for what it was. Now, 
Are we going to talk about uh, the dog here and his answers to Watts? Yeah. Well, let's hear what you want to say about it. (laughs) This is so (laughs) great. Watts asked the dog if he can interview Stagger Lee, and JYD says he does all his talking. He does all the talking for Stagger Lee, which I thought was great. And then JYD just, I came unglued watching this again. When he goes on to say for the next 90 days, he's going to drive his Mercedes 450 around to every arena, buy him a ticket, and show up and take care of Stagger Lee. I thought that was brilliant on his part because he's only banned from wrestling, right? He's not banned from evidently making the towns as a fan. So, hey, what better way to spend time while you're off driving around Stagger Lee? And the whole time, DiBiase's thinking, yeah, right, he's driving around Stagger Lee. Give me a break. The fans popped for the mention of the Mercedes. Oh, yeah, they did. (laughs) Which I thought was funny. He specifically said, I'm going to drive around that brand new Mercedes 550. I just, a 450, I thought that was great. Yeah. Well, who didn't think it was great was Ted DiBiase and Matt Bourne. Let's close out this opening segment with Cowboy Bill Watts once again speaking with this duo, the Mid-South Wrestling Tag Team Champions. There you saw, there was not only Stagger Lee, but there was the junk, junkyard dog as Mr. USA did that 550-pound prone. So you sure that Stagger Lee is the junkyard dog? Hey, look, there's something funny going on here. I can't really explain what I just saw on that piece of film, but I am still convinced that the Stagger Lee is junkyard dog. The point is, none of us are going to know until that mask comes off of him, right? Well, we're not going to take it off of him. That's right. I'm No, I'm not going to take it off of him because my partner here has signed the contract to wrestle S. Lee right here today on this television program, and we're going to take that mask off of him. My partner is going to take that mask off of him, and if that's a junkyard dog, am I right? If that's a junkyard dog and that mask comes off, he is suspended and he's got to go. If you can prove to Mid-South beyond any shadow of a doubt that S. Lee is a junkyard dog by unmasking him, then you're right. He has violated his contract, and he will be suspended from Mid-South Wrestling. That's right. Now, 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 let me get this straight. You mean to say if I take Stagger Lee's mask off right here on TV and it proves to be JYD that he is out for 90 days, he's you not, can he's guarantee me that? He's out for more that? than 90 days. He's out for probably a year, but he, you've only got 90 days to prove it because JYD You guarantee on, me that? I well, guarantee Matt, it. That's great because then you don't oh, have to yes. go out there and beat the man. I'm there you have it. Matt Bourne will be against Stagger Lee later today here the on Mid-South Wrestling. Off, I'm telling you now right now. We'll go to these words from sponsors of Mid-South Wrestling Network. Well, there you hear it. Now the match is set up. Stagger Lee versus Matt Bourne. The victory seems to be less of a concern than getting the mask off Stagger Lee and proving his identity to be the junkyard dog. I love DiBiase right there. He's like, I can't explain that footage, you know, but but you can tell he's like, I smell something fishy. Now, <laughs> come on, man. I remember even being a kid going, I don't know, man. That Stagger Lee looks different than the other one that's been wrestling <laughs> that we've seen. <laughs> so, yeah, for what that's worth, I just wanted to mention that. Even as a kid, I I, I said that. So, all right. But, no, it's uh, – hey, you got to give them credit there. DiBiase – and Matt Bourne, you know, sold it like, okay, you got me. There's a guy with a Stagger Lee outfit on. But at the end of the day, they still believe it's a dog. And something that I don't know if really came through great in the audio there, DiBiase is telling Bourne, you know, okay, you're going to wrestle him. You don't need to beat him. You just got to unmask him. So and I thought that was important because it, 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 you can see them talking about it. It's not real loud in the audio, though, in my opinion. So I, I just wanted to point that out. From there, we get our next match. Tony Atlas, Mr. USA versus 
Vladik Smirnov, no General Skander Akbar with him here. I have a couple notes here. Jerry Usher, the referee, no Alfred Neely on this television taping. Vladik Smirnov is awful. He's really, really bad. He looks to be untrained. Bill Watts on commentary talks a good deal about Tony's lack of education, and now he's worked twice as hard to overcome his lack of education. And then he goes back to a point that we just had before, Mike. He talks about what happens if Stagger Lee is revealed to be the junkyard dog. Let's hear this right now. Of course, Ted DiBiase very upset, but we have the challenge in that Matt Bourne is booked next against S. Lee. And if Matt Bourne can unmask, he doesn't have to beat S. Lee. It's not under the regular stipulations. If he can unmask at any time in that match, S. Lee, and prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that that's a junkyard dog, the dog is in violation of a contract and would be suspended from Mid-South for one year. But he only has 90 days from the date of that original contract, which was the 27th of October, to prove that it's a dog. And we're saying tongue-in-cheek that we have no idea who S. Lee is. But it looks like there's S. Lee could be a Trojan horse just like Hacksaw Dugan was in the gorilla suit. Look at the power. Look at this. A straight body press of 300 pounds. And Tony Atlas slammed Vladik Smirnov crashing to the mat. Atlas getting up. Headbutt. Well, let's stop it there. That's actually how Atlas wins the match. He does a power slam and then a headbutt off the second rope. But he is so bad, Smirnov. At one point, Mike, Atlas, I think he headbutts him and he like bends over, like squats, and then just does a flat back bump. Smirnov here. Yeah, he, I can't add anything. He's not a good wrestler. Um, And he doesn't get better. I don't know. You literally I, don't add anything there. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, I know, I, and I don't mean to be so short. It's just uh, you you said it all. He's I know exactly the moment you're talking about when Atlas headbutted him. Instead of just taking the bump, he literally does this weird looking, funny looking, awkward squat, and then he decides to take a bump. It just, I guess he took a bump. I guess he, I guess he technically bumped, but yeah, he. He it just he looks awkward. He just really does. He looks uncoordinated. All right, next match: Stagger Lee versus Matt Bourne, one half of the Mid South Wrestling Tag Team Champions, with Rick Ferreira as the referee. Ted DiBiase at ringside for this match. Any thoughts or notes before we listen to the audio of this match, Mike? No, because I think the audio is going to say a lot about what goes on here i think um and then i do want to have i do want to ask you a question once no no, no let's just go to the audio because I, I mean i'm gonna ask you a question after once uh what happens happens it'll make sense in a minute we'll go to this audio right now one thing to note here this is one of those great examples of the wwe network not scrubbing the original music so let's hear the original audio because it's still on the wwe network until they realize they left it up of Stagger Lee versus Matt Bourne. ...for one fall with a 10-minute time limit. In the red corner at 240 pounds from Atlanta, Georgia, co-holder of the Mid-South Tag Team Championship belts, Matt Bourne. I was standing on the corner when I 
and Matt Bourne hadn't wasted any time. And like I say, there's no rules or regulations as far as taking that mask off in this match like in an ordinary one, because if he can prove it's a junkyard dog, the match wouldn't count anyway, but the junkyard dog will be suspended from Mid-South Wrestling. And they got 90 days from the 27th of October to prove that. Matt Bourne, after that mask, Ted DiBiase looking on intently because he certainly wants to know. Stagger Lee getting the worst of it at this point. Matt Bourne throwing him back in the ring. Bell ever rang or not, this is just a physical effort out there with Matt Bourne. Fireman's carried by Bourne, he gets Stagger Lee down and he's trying to pull off that mask. Matt Bourne starting to use the flat of the foot. Staggerly fighting back with the forearm there. DiBiase up there, referee Rick Farrar telling DiBiase to stay out of it. Staggerly firing back now. He throws one at DiBiase and as he turns his back, Matt Bourne catches him. Body slam. Matt Bourne going for the bombs away off the top turnbuckle. Matt Bourne dropping on Stagger Lee. Now DiBiase in there. Crowd cheering him. They pulled the mask off. It's not Junkyard Dog, but there's another Stagger Lee in there. That other Stagger Lee is firing away. Well, they're going crazy, and now excitement everywhere. We'll be back with exciting tag team action after this message. All right, a few things, Mike. First, to your earlier point, do you think, based on the subdued reaction earlier in the match, the fans also knew right away this wasn't Junkyard Dog? Uh, yeah, and actually, it, it, I have an, an exact note of that. There's a shot in the crowd where I think a group of women see Stagger Lee come out before we see him uh, coming down to the ring. The music starts and he's on his way and they start, they look and they have this like look of that's not him. And they're kind of shaking their head and, and it goes back to the point you just made. So yes, I, I do. I do wholeheartedly believe that as, as he's coming out, that's what they're thinking. Like originally they shoot the crowd and you see the people clapping and then it's like, Eh, maybe not that 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 that's not him so I, I think there's something to that brian another interesting thing is that he gets the mask off the matt Bourne gets the mask off the imposter stagger lee but it's never revealed who he is he covers up his face he tries to hide it was it king cobra no uh, okay so i i i was gonna ask you about this so on the i don't know how long it's been since you've watched the next episode but in the in the next episode, there's a wrestler that wrestles by the name of 
Joe Gaines, and he wrestles Kamala. I believe this is Joe Gaines that is in this first staggerly in this match that they unmask. I'm almost 100% sure it's Joe Gaines. So Joe Gaines is this fake staggerly right here that you get that gets unmasked. And then uh, the real staggerly comes out. So <laughs> Joe Gaines is uh, is 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 who that is or who I'm almost certain that's who it is. By the way, this is the first episode in a couple months. No Kamala. Yep. Next week he'll be next week he's back though. Against Joe um, Gaines. Yes, against Joe Gaines. And then um they'll start the storyline. I don't know if it starts next week or the week after of uh somebody's gonna be um looking to purchase Kamala's services. And we'll leave it at that. But yeah, no Kamala after after months and months of of I'd say months and months, but yeah, you know, we've had plenty of weeks where Kamala has really destroyed people and be put over strong. Uh, but yeah, no Kamala, no Kamala this week. But we, I mean, we, you think about it, this was kind of an action packed week where, you know, the first 40% of the episode is, is literally, you know, Staggerly, DiBiase and Bourne and, and whatnot. They're, they're, they're concentrating on that, which, which rightfully so as follow up to everything that's been going on. How awesome is the bombs away that Matt Bourne does off the top rope later to be the whoopee cushion by Doink the Clown? How awesome is that? It's so cool. I, I, I love that move. I mean, you got to think, too, for its time. I mean, 1982, him coming off the top rope and sitting on somebody's chest and stomach, you know, with that bombs away. I mean, in reality, it's like, man, if somebody actually did that, it, that that crap would hurt. So, I mean, it. To me, it sold it as a finishing move, definitely. So I thought it was pretty damn awesome. Um, another thing, too, that that uh, to make a point, you know, normally he would have to come off the second rope in Mid-South unless it's a no DQ match, right? In this match, remember what they said at the very beginning of the episode? DiBiase's like, you don't have to beat him. You just got to take the mask off. He wasn't worried about beating him, winning or losing. And that's why he went to the top and hit him with the bombs away. Uh, the whoopee cushion, as many WWF fans would know it as, is because he wasn't worried about the DQ. All he was worried about was, I'm going to get this son of a gun's mask off, so I'm going to knock him out, and, and that's it, and we're going to get his mask. So I guess, actually, I didn't even think about it. The finish is Stagger Lee wins via disqualification. Uh, Yeah, technically, it it would be a win by uh by Stagger Lee, or the, the fake Stagger Lee, I guess we'd call him. It he's, would just uh, be Stagger Lee. Yeah, we don't know who Stagger Lee really is. We don't know what the hell's well, going on. It would be when I say the fake Staggerly, I I'm only calling him that because if we want to call him Joe Gaines, because I believe it's his Joe Gaines, he, he technically wins because um Matt Bourne came off the top rope with the whoopee cushion. And before that, I mean DiBiase was getting involved too. So uh there was there was a lot of shenanigans there. So yeah, Staggerly technically wins, or the fake Staggerly or Joe Gaines, whatever you want to call it. I think in the record books, Charlie Lay will have to let us know, but I think in the record books it'll simply say Staggerly. What a victory over Matt Bourne via disqualification. Then we get in a tag team match it's an interesting little match here mr wrestling 2 and colonel buck robley versus tony anthony and marty lundy with jerry usher as the referee marty lundy of course the future arn anderson isn't wearing his usual trunks he's wearing uh is it a singlet or it's like a yeah it's like no it's like an amateur wrestling singlet he's wearing an amateur wrestling singlet and then tony anthony who's been grappler number two now for weeks is back to being Tony Anthony. I don't know if he forgot his gear or what happened here, but interesting. I've never seen Arn wear this kind of outfit. I don't know why Tony Anthony is back under his real name. Interesting stuff happening here, Mike. Yeah. um, I just think they needed uh, two guys to put over. Not that that, not that 
grappler too. Tony Anthony hadn't been putting people over. I mean, he's been looking up at the lights a lot, but I just think they wanted maybe some variety, and that's why they had uh, Tony and and Arn Anderson, aka Marty Lundy, uh, tag up right here. So it is interesting. It's it is different, but at the end of the day, I, I think it may have just been you know, hey, let's let's get let's get Tony Anthony some some FaceTime. I mean, we he's been in there as grappler too. Let's uh let's change things up because I mean, they they did do a match with wrestling too and grappler and whatnot a while back. So uh, I think it was just a, a change up change of pace on the TV. If you were to ask my opinion on it. One of the things you notice here is that Mr. Wrestling 2's mask appears to be smeared with something, paint or something, appears to be green and possibly blue. Well, we're going to hear a little bit about that right now from the Cowboy. Why is Mr. Wrestling 2's mask discolored? Different as daylight and dark, Bill, but no greater competitors in professional sports than these two. Hold them a lot of experience. Uh, Wrestling 2, he gets like wine. He gets finer with time. He's like Kitty Stabler. George Blanda, you know, like Jim Marshall of the Minnesota Vikings. The more longer he's out there, it just seems like he can go on. He's got so much experience and so much intensity and desire that you have to respect him. He doesn't ask it. He demands it. Noting one thing, that his mask has been very badly discolored, and I saw him when he came in this night, and he was steaming. He was foaming. And he said that somebody has done some sabotage and there's something going on he doesn't like he wouldn't really uh, elaborate on it a great deal but that they had destroyed or or they have uh, done something to his mask he doesn't know who he's not sure why he said there's more to it than meets the eye and he'll discuss it with me after today's television taping but wrestling too is somebody you just don't mess with uh, there's a guy to was an imposter of him in Atlanta, Georgia, and he whipped that guy so bad he got right out of wrestling business. And, of course, the grappler came in and tried to become the imposter, and wrestling, too, has not only whipped him, he's exposed him. So wrestling, too, is just not somebody to mess with. Neither is the colonel, a man out there that says, nobody calls me yellow. He's a tough cookie, too. These guys are a lot of experience. They could be a real threat to the new Mid-South Tag Champions of DiBiase and Bourne. Of course, DiBiase and Bourne, uh, maybe something's happened that they're getting trapped in their own subterfuge. Uh, maybe two can play that game. I'm not sure what all's going on right now, but it's apparently elaborate. And uh, they were set up to gang up and unmask S. Lee. And apparently S. Lee or Stagger Lee uh, kind of suspected that and kind of figured that move. And uh, he set out a little uh, Trojan horse of his own, somebody to take his place and have their attention until he could come in from behind and really clean house. And, of course, the crowd loved it, and I have to admit that I try to be unbiased and not too prejudiced. I sit right here, and I love it, too, because uh, S. Lee, uh, you know, I feel is uh, a lot closer connected to Junkyard Dog than anybody realized. Dog said there was an S. Lee in his background that was so tough, he used to take his milk money on the bus and everything else, but... uh, and that's the only man that ever whipped him. But I'll tell you, there is a remarkable similarity. But, of course, without proof, we won't call it. But we will call a fall there. Wrestling 2 and Buck Robley take it. And we'll be back when action continues after this word from Mid-South Wrestling Television. My only guess is that maybe Arn forgot his gear at home. Or maybe someone robbed him and Tony Anthony's gear out of their car. And they both drove from home together. I don't know, but... Mr. Wrestling 2 and Buck Robley win. Like you said before, the focus of the match on commentary still 
about Stagger Lee and Ted DiBiase and crew. Any thoughts or notes about this match, Mike? Just real quick, uh, I like the tease of what's going on with two and this mask because that's just entering into a, a new storyline, something that's progressing in the promotion, uh, something it, it basically just introduces a new, you know, mystery. And that's all about what wrestling's about. You know, we got to keep tuning in for the episodic format of it and to see what happens next. And, you know, while you've had this whole stagger lead thing playing out and, and there's more to come obviously with that, but I like the fact that they introduced this thing with two right here and like, huh, what's going on? We've got this mass. It's discolored and there's what the heck happened. And, you know, I, I like that. I like that. They took just a few moments. It's Bill Watts uh, being great again on commentary to mention that. After this match, our next match, we get Kelly Kaniski versus Iron Mike Sharp with Rick Ferreira as the referee. I believe Reeser Bowden says, and now we have a battle of two big Canadians. And that's exactly what we get here. On commentary, Bill Watts has a few notes about Iron Mike Sharp understanding the power of Kamala, but maybe more interesting here, talks about mentions on TV going out to the whole territory that Kamala has beaten. The Junkyard Dog. Let's hear this. Kelly into the ropes. Mike Sharp firing away. He's just throwing Kelly like a 275-pound rag doll, if you can imagine a 275-pound rag doll. But that's what the Iron Man's doing with him, so you can compare the power of Kamala. Kamala, by the way, the only man to, uh, that I know of recently to beat the Junkyard Dog in downtown New Orleans. A man to be reckoned with. Can you imagine a match between he and Stagger Lee? Inside cradle by Mike. And there you hear it. And I don't think it was just New Orleans. I think there were a couple of towns where Kamala beat the JYD right around this period of time, further establishing him as a killer heel. But you don't hear too much about that, the fact that the dog lost to Kamala on these shows. No, you you don't. And I thought it was smart on why. It, you know, it... I guess from a psychological standpoint, it kind of makes sense. This is probably a good time to mention it because technically dog is gone. So, you know, how's it going to hurt him that he would have lost to Kamala on some of these shows, you know, in singles matches and Kamala has been built so strong uh, throughout the TV episodes that, you know, he's, he's established himself as a contender. And then you mentioned, Oh, by the way, he's beat dog on some of these towns and these shows we've been on and, Man, can you imagine that? It, it just leads more mystery and more thought of, and not just not more mystery, but more thought of. Man, Kamala's a he, he's a beast, man. This guy's beating a dog. I mean, we gotta we gotta watch out for this guy. He's somebody to be reckoned with. So I, I thought that was I thought that was good from Bill Watts right there to mention that. I guess we should also mention too that on a lot of the shows happening around this period of time, the JYD's still wrestling because some towns got the JYD having the Leave Town episode the first week it aired. Some towns got it the second week. Some towns got it the third week because they would bicycle the tape around. Not everyone in the territory saw it at the same time. There were people who didn't see the JYD lose that fall until a month after it had aired in the first cities it aired in. Yeah, which kind of probably made it a little confusing for some people going to shows. I know I've I've heard people mention that on, on in both of our Facebook groups, just like, uh, you know, they, they saw it at a certain time. And I forgot who it was. And I, I'm sorry, I apologize. But I saw someone mention that, like, when DiBiase turned, it had happened on one TV, but or one town, but they were at a town where it hadn't happened yet, and DiBiase came out, and he was already a heel, and I was like, whoa, what happened? And then they saw it the next week on their TV. 
like you know the, so yeah that's a that's a good point it, it it certainly happened that way where the the tape was bicycled around so you would miss it or some towns didn't get it for a couple of weeks two three weeks you know after the fact you know another real quick note about the house shows happening around this period of time terry gordy worked several shows in louisiana and i think arkansas maybe mississippi during this period of time and just so people who were wondering if you see the results what he was doing there in 1982 gordy went from georgia and then i think he left in february and went spent like four months in southeastern went back to georgia and then started in dallas in late october so starting in late october he's around the area obviously he's in dallas texas not the closest place to all these towns, but he does make several shows for Mid-South Wrestling, doesn't get on TV, but works several arena shows, putting over Mid-South Wrestling talent. Yeah, you know what, that's interesting, Brian, because, yeah, they started, I know Hayes went into World Class first, and then, and then you know, as a baby face, and then Gordy followed, you know, talking about his brother was going to be there. That's interesting, I mean, so if he is in Dallas, you know, during this time, getting into no- in November, yeah, it's it's not a far stretch for him to be working, you know, towns in North Louisiana, even even the central part of Louisiana and Arkansas and whatnot. So uh, that, it, that would make sense just based on the proximity of it. And remember, they weren't working a giant schedule and they were just bringing him in. So he's working Dallas, Fort Worth. They're building him up for when they really do the big turn at Christmas time with the Freebirds and the Von Erics. He has time on his hands. So he calls up Bill Watts, I figure, and says, hey, I'm going to be around. Can you book me on some shows? And he gets on those shows. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. I mean, beauty of the territories is is on display right there. Our next match, we get Hacksaw Duggan, the Louisiana State Champion. For some reason, not involved in any of the earlier interviews with DiBiase and Bourne. Versus King Cobra with Jerry Usher as the referee. You know, it's funny, whenever Cobra's around, and it's off and on for years, he's always over with the fans. They... It's like the old timers, man. They just loved him, and I, I wish I had more context for it. I just think he had been around so long, you know, kind of a guy who, you know, he he wasn't flashy, but he went out there and he worked hard. And I just feel like the fans in the towns they got to see him, and and they just really loved him. Um, he's always announced from Chula, Mississippi, right, Brian? So, you know, just a, a guy from the area. Uh, fighting bad guys and it wasn't like he was over as far as getting wins i know he was over but not over as far as getting wins but yeah man he always gets a, a good reaction from the crowd it's it's pretty amazing when you think about it and i mean he when you watch him in the ring man he's he's pretty quick and agile for i mean he seems like a, a decent sized guy and I don't know. I mean, he seems like a pretty good athlete. The fans got into him. He had, whenever he like would fire up, he seemed to have good charisma. I just think it, just the, the total package of him related to that stuff, I think the fans just really liked and appreciated him. I didn't have too many notes about this match other than I thought the finish was really cool, maybe the coolest spear we've seen when King Cobra comes off the rope and Duggan spears him out of midair. Really, really cool stuff. Yeah, I had, I had I had something similar. I, I like the finish of it. Um, also, I, I I'm always mesmer not mesmerized, but fascinated and enjoy Watts on commentary. He he was talking about SMU football and Duggan and and saying that uh, SMU wants a piece of LSU. So you know he's he's blending in college football here and in a, in a college football you know 
area. I mean, this is SEC country. So, yeah, he's he's bringing up college football and SMU. SMU was 11-0-1 that year, and they finished number two in the AP poll, I believe. So, I believe. I believe. Um, but good. I just wanted to point that out. Watts on commentary, getting into his football talk, as, as we know he loves to do. Other than that, you're right. Cool, cool finish there. For our final match this week, the grappler goes up against the debuting Chavo Guerrero with Rick Ferreira as the referee. A good little back-and-forth match. Chavo does some really impressive stuff for its time for 1982. Bill Watts reacts to it. And actually, on that topic, Mike, let's play a little bit of audio here of Bill Watts reacting to Chavo doing a dive on Mid-South Wrestling Television. Less than one minute of airtime, boy. We'll stay this, this as long as we can. The grappler trying to kick him, trying to go for that. Look at Chavo launched a drop kick. He blasted grappler clear out on the floor. The grappler was trying to kick him with that loaded boot. Chavo dove out on the floor, and he speared him. He speared him, boy, and I have never seen anything like that. Clear out here on the concrete floor. Boy, Pierce, he just flew through the air, cleared out on the concrete floor. And now he's going for the grappler's boot. He's going to try to take off the grappler's boot, boy. We'll stay as long as we can. Well, our time he's is about gone. Chavo will be back next week. Tony Atlas, Stagger Lee, they'll all be Chavo here. Chavo's beating the grappler, and he's taking that boot off him. That's one way to stop it. Thank you, Bill Watts, and thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for being with us this week. Till next week, I'm Boyd Pearson. Goodbye, everybody, from Mid-South Wrestling Television Network, as the time is all gone. And it is for us as well. The time is all gone, but before we wrap things up, any notes or thoughts about this match and Chavo's debut in Mid-South, Mike? One thing, Olympia hit a dive a couple of months ago, so when Watts does say... um, you know, oh, my God, I've never seen that before. Olympia did hit one a couple of months prior. I, I remember it specifically because we talked about it. Uh, the thing with Chavo, though, I will say this, man. Chavo may have had a lot more speed on his dive because he came through and flew through those ropes, and the crowd got a great they, – they reacted to it when he hit the grapple on the floor. And, um, you know, Watts put it over, which he should have done. I, I like how they went off here, here, you know, where, where it's, uh, you know, it's hitting the fan. There's no resolution with these guys fighting. Good stuff. Good little – you know, we've seen how many matches, Brian, at this point have we seen where nothing has happened at the end? It's a time limit draw. The fans start leaving because it's like, OK, we're at the end. Nothing's going to happen. I like the fact that they went off air like this with some excitement. What did you think about that? Yeah, strong ending to another strong episode. The shows have just been so good. The main angle is just hitting on all cylinders. It eats up so much of the show. But You just want more of it. You just want more, and it leaves you wanting more each and every week. Another great episode of Mid-South Wrestling. This is a great period of time. Fall of 1982 for Mid-South Wrestling. And you said it at the beginning. You were like, this was one of your more fun episodes and favorite ones because of all the fallout that we got from the whole Stagger Lee situation. Like, I mean, you know, we we saw Dog lose. We then saw Stagger Lee come into the territory and put a whooping on DiBiase. And then it's like they follow it up with, uh, again, the first 40 percent of the episode dedicated to this angle and DiBiase and Bourne fussing and watch responding to him and a little and some clips and recaps in case you in case you would have missed it the last couple of weeks. It, it really was a, a good the the start. I mean, a good episode throughout, but the start of the episode was really captivating and would have hooked you in to see, wow, this has been the last two or three weeks. And now this, where are they going to go next? So just a, overall, a, a great episode. Fun, fun one to do. 
As we wrap things up, I want to remind you that you can follow me on Twitter at GreatBrianLast. You can follow the Arcadian Vanguard Podcast Network on Twitter at SuperPodcasts. You can follow the Arcadian Vanguard Podcast Network on Facebook, facebook.com slash Arcadian Vanguard. And of course, you can hear me on the 605 Super Podcast at 605pod.com or available wherever it is that you find your favorite podcast for classic wrestling talk and wrestling humor, the 605 Super Podcast. Mike, how can the listeners stay in touch with you and booking the territory? Give me a follow on Twitter at Mike504Saints. Uh, I post a lot of stuff about this show. I try to post clips that Brian and I talk about. Uh, when I say clips, I mean uh, short video clips of some of the stuff that we discuss here. Uh, because a lot of this stuff, man, when you see it, it's like, oh, man, that's awesome. And it, I don't know, for me, it it's also reliving my childhood, which uh, obviously is a lot of fun from time to time to do, especially related to this episode. Also, uh, not only follow me on Twitter, but come listen to Book in the Territory twice per week. We drop two shows. They do debut on Thursday nights and Sunday nights. One of them is the end of a Saturday night show from the 80s on TBS. The other is Smoky Mountain Wrestling Recaps. Fun time nonetheless. Myself, Hard Body Hopper, Doc Turner. We are the unprofessional podcast for a reason. So I'm warning you, when you come listen, the expectation is it's nuts, it's crazy, it's off the wall, it's not politically correct, but it's a fun time talking old school wrestling and the crazy angles that go down. Uh, we are actually embarking upon uh, one of the angles where uh, recently we've gone through Dusty with the envelope that never gets opened by uh, Baby Doll and Larry Zabisco. And then Dusty and his uh, Midnight Rider angle from 1988 is uh, coming upon us as well. But it's a fun time uh, on both of our shows on the NWA and Smoky Mountain Wrestling. We have a great time. Uh, and other than that, Brian, I appreciate another fun week of Mid-South Wrestling and I look forward to next and many more to come. The Mid-South Wrestling Television Review Podcast is a production of the Arcadian Vanguard Podcast Network. For Mike Mills, I'm the great Brian Last. Tally-ho!